What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Yesterday, Israeli forces bombed a hospital in Gaza. Hundreds of doctors, nurses, and patients were killed. Israel has said in no uncertain terms that they plan to level the Gaza Strip, essentially commit genocide. We intend to do our part on this show, however small that may be, to stop that from happening. Part of how we plan to do that is by centering the voices of Palestinians engaged in the fight for the far too overdue liberation of Palestine. We are joined this morning by Rahab Nazal, a Palestinian artist and author who lives as a refugee in Toronto but is currently in Bethlehem, Palestine. Her latest book, which we have featured on this show, is called Driving in Palestine. Good morning, Rahab. Good morning, Kat. Yes. Thank you for having me. We are also joined by um, her daughter, Rana Nazal Hamadeh, a Palestinian Rana. artist and filmmaker living between Ramallah and Ottawa on unceded Anishabe territory. Good morning, Rana. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Rahab, I want to start with you. Um, you reside in Canada but are currently in Bethlehem. How long were you there before all of this escalated and exploded? I arrived here September 23rd for an international conference titled Land, People and Culture. And there were guests uh, from over 30 countries. Just when the uh, conference finished and people left, uh, that uh, this, the October 7 event began. Um, and I stayed because I am in Bethlehem. My family in the north, in Jenin, and since the since the conference finished, I can't see my family. I can't travel from Bethlehem to Jenin because of the horrific conditions in the West Bank, not just in Gaza. Although our eyes and everyone is focusing on Gaza, in the West Bank, uh, it is horrific as well. Can you say more about the conditions in the West Bank, where you are? Can you describe it for my listeners? Yes. Um, as you know, the West Bank and Gaza were colonized and uh, occupied in 1967. And according to uh, international law, Israel is not permitted to transfer their civilian uh, population to the West Bank. But since the very beginning of the occupation, they began to build illegal settlement colonies uh, across the West Bank. And the last 25 years during what's called the peace talk, the peace agreement with Israel, the number of settlements and number of settlers increased tremendously. And those are uh, armed settlers they're vicious, violent, and equipped with an ideology, sick ideology, that they can attack any Palestinian. They attack the land, they burn trees, they burn properties. Uh, the Dawabshi child and his family, when they entered the house and burned them in Nablus district a few years ago, a few months ago, they burned the, the town of Hawara. Uh, they destroyed uh, like kilometers of, of uh, olive trees around uh, Nablus in Burin and uh, Beta and other villages. Um, so now, uh, with this current government, 
the extremist far right, including uh, the students of Mayor Kahana, who was, who's American Zionist, who used to say about the Palestinians, either you be uh, a silent dogs living here, or leave, leave the country. These are his students now in the government, Ben Gvir and Smotrish. Uh, they increased the, uh, the weapons in the hands of uh, settlers, and along with the Israeli occupation forces as well, not just the, the Jewish settlers, uh, every town now and city is uh, under blockade like the city of Bethlehem, where I am, from all directions, there are cement blocks and gates, actual gates. Uh, so we can't leave. We can't leave. And, and I start teaching in the university here, before I lose my mind, my students cannot reach here from the surrounding uh, villages and towns. They raid every night. Uh, the cities and especially refugee camps. They raid and they increased tremendously uh, their arrest of Palestinians the last 10 days. They killed over 60 Palestinians across the West Bank. Uh, yeah, it is terrifying. But of course, all this, if you ask any Palestinian in the West Bank, they say, and I would say what the Palestinians in Gaza are enduring of genocide, of massacres, persecution is incomparable to the conditions we are living in the West Bank. And yet, Rahab, under those uh, conditions, you continue to organize. Can you talk about the organizing work, the defense work that you are doing currently? Well, when, um, when the Israelis declared the war on Gaza and their defense minister declared that the Palestinians are not humans, basically, they're human animals, violence erupted across the 1948 borders, which is called Israel, uh, against the Palestinians who work there, from Gaza especially. So over 2,600 Palestinians from Gaza were dumped with the full meaning of the word. They were kicked out, not to their homes in Gaza, but to the West Bank. So we have about, uh, in Bethlehem, we have 165 of these workers uh, from Gaza, whose family are in Gaza. One of them actually lost uh, a family member in, in yesterday's massacre in the attack on the, um, on the hospital. So we're taking care of these, uh, organizing uh, the community to support uh, uh, at all levels their needs. Um, we protest in the streets. Uh, yesterday, when the the blast, when the when the the uh, strike of the hospital took place, within minutes the city was in the streets. Beit Jala, Beit Lahaim, Beit Sahur, everywhere people were outraged. You know, furious. We were just just so angry. 
and uh, we just walked with anger chanting in the streets when we approached the gate uh, where the Israeli uh, forces uh, stationed by the wall because North Bethlehem is surrounded by the apartheid cement wall with watchtowers and gates where they open it for their vehicles to enter the city. We were far from them. They opened the gate and they rained us with tear gas. Rained, you know what? Um, this is an American tear gas, by the way. It's written on it often. Even the way they, they uh, attack us, uh, they use uh, what's called uh, venom. It's, uh, it's like a launcher that launches hundreds of tear gas canisters at once. It's American by the American combined system uh, created. And I suffocated yesterday. I still am suffering, like heavy, heavy on my chest. Uh, the, the, just some paramedics grabbed me, otherwise I don't know what would have happened because it was massive. Like you find yourself in the middle of clouds of tear gas. Uh, so we're doing what we can, Kat. We're doing what we can. Thank you for sharing all of that, Rahab. And you know, we're sending you so much care and, and prayers for your safety and the safety of all Palestinians uh, in, the, in, in at this time. Rana, I want to bring you into the conversation. You are in uh, so-called Canada. What is it like being separated from your mother and, and, and watching what is happening to your other family members right now? Mm -hmm. Well, right now in Canada, the environment is incredibly hostile. It's, it's so difficult to wrap your head around um, genocide occurring before our eyes. You know, it's very heavily documented. We're really seeing everything that's happening. And the public narrative is still very sympathetic to Israel. Um, it's still distorting the entire power dynamic uh, back home. And it, it becomes very difficult for Palestinians um, in these Western states, not only to grieve, but, you know, you, you can't be angry. You can't, you can't really express any rightful emotion at what's happening right now um, without facing attacks. Um, Palestinians and our supporters are all being harassed and intimidated, um, and people are afraid to even speak out in support of us. And it's just a very, it's very difficult to wrap your head around it. Um, I definitely wish I was back home with my mom. I wish, you know, I wish I could be with my people. I think that that they're facing an unbelievable amount of violence right now. Um, but I think many Palestinians share the sentiment that they would rather be together um, than apart and in such a state of hostility. Rana, you started with something that I was going to segue into a little bit later, but I'm going to just go ahead and go there now because you sort of set the stage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, here in America, we have... In seen uh, increased targeting and surveillance of Palestinian citizens um, in, here in America by the government, Palestinian-American citizens, uh, uh, by the government, law enforcement, and we've also seen the targeting um, 
of, of Palestinians and, and Arabs by vigilantes, um, wondering what, uh, if any of that is occurring in Canada as well. I think um, Canada is really, you know, mimicking what's happening in the U.S. We're very living a very similar reality, but on a smaller scale, Canada's about a tenth of the population. Um, mm -hmm. But we are also seeing a lot of people lose their jobs for speaking out. We're um, seeing people, like, as soon as all of these events began, every police station in every major city across Canada put out statements um, that suggested that Palestinians could be violent because of what happened and um, promising to up surveillance. All of it was centered around Jewish life and the protection of Jewish life and the reality of 75 years of, of violence against Palestinians has been completely erased from the public narrative. Everything that we're hearing right now in Canada and in the U.S. Um, suggests that violence began on October 7th, and it entirely erases the context and the history and power. Um, we don't see that Gaza has been under a 16-year siege, that Palestinians in Gaza live in an open-air prison, and that like a prison, you know, their captors control what food and goods they get, um, people are not allowed to leave, they have, this is the fifth major assault on Gaza, in those 16 years. Um, and, you know, Palestinians in Gaza have appealed to the international stage and world powers continue to allow Israel to commit crimes with complete impunity. Palestinians have appealed to the International Criminal Court and Israel refused to cooperate. Palestinians did protest in mass, unarmed protests in 2018 and 19. They were met with sniper fire that killed more than 200 people and dozens of children and maimed almost 9,000 children, 8,800, I think it was. So, you know, Palestinians in Gaza have really tried everything to escape the violence. And yet the narrative in the West needs to be that Palestinians don't want peace, that Palestinians are, are irrationally violent. It's really rooted in a lot of racism. And like you said, it's leading to a lot of um, hate-motivated attacks against Palestinians. Rana, I asked your, your mother about the organizing that she was doing um, in Bethlehem. You were part of an artist collective. Um, what, what, are you, what are you all up to um, in terms of the pushback yeah. from where, you, where you're, you're, you're living? Um, well, as soon as we could, we drafted an open letter, um, a statement of solidarity with Palestine. Um, for artists, academic, and cultural workers. And we rooted it in the call from Palestine for boycotts against Israel until it complies with international law. So the, the letter um, pledges that, that as artists and academics, we will abide by the cultural boycott of Israel. We won't accept professional invitations to Israel. We won't accept funding from Israel or institutions linked to its government. Um, until it complies with international law. So the letter is, is linked to a global boycott movement that has um, has existed for over a decade. And, and so it's, it's kind of, it doesn't stand alone in that sense. And so far we've gotten more than 3,500 signatures, which has been really, you know, um, overwhelming in a good way. Uh, we've seen galleries, magazines, touch 
two studios, um, comedians, bands, professors. We've seen like an immense show of support um, to people willing to publicly sign this letter, knowing that they might face attacks just for um, voicing their solidarity with Palestine. Um, but we felt it was really important just to have this public show, even if even if its biggest effect is just to show Palestinians that there are masses of people who stand with them and are not afraid to stand with them. If it just serves that purpose, it's successful in my opinion. Um, but we're also hoping to use it to to place pressure on on people in power. Rahab, very soon after the hospital in Gaza was um, bombed, um, Israel immediately tried to blame that on Hamas, and uh, the president of America, Joe Biden, um, doubled down on that. Your response? I am outraged, but not surprised, because the president, at the beginning of the events, he actually repeated lies by a single soldier claiming in front of the world that he saw photographs of Hamas cutting heads of babies. And the White House um, actually countered that, saying, no, there are no images. We haven't seen. There is no evidence. So to repeat what Netanyahu has been saying, it's not surprising for us, the Palestinians. There are warships coming to, towards Israel. There's 2,000 troops. They are in the, now in the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Uh, we are, um, I wouldn't say surprised by this because every Palestinian, if you go to the streets, they tell you, Israel is a military base for the United States. And that's what uh, the Jewish people don't get it, that this is, as Joe Biden, uh, years ago, he said, if there was no Israel, we will create one. And it's actually being circulating now on social media, this video of his. He said, this is the best investment, the $3 million, billion we pay to Israel. It's the best investment for the United States. So it comes to this. They, uh, Biden is supporting Israel, whether it violates the uh, international law. In fact, there is no law when it comes to uh, Israel. As uh, Rana, my daughter, mentioned, Israel violated, since its creation, hundreds and hundreds of uh, Security Council and General Assembly resolutions, never complied with one single resolution. The massacres from Sabra and Shatila, well, before, from 1948, 110 massacres when Israel was created. They committed the militia, the Zionist militia. They ethnically cleansed entire cities and towns, including the city where my partner, Rana's dad, from Tabriyaz, entirely was cleansed. Uh, so massacres uh, followed by after the 48 and the dispossession of two-thirds of the Palestinian people. Two-thirds of Palestine 
was stolen and colonies and the state of Israel were built over the homes, the properties, the towns, the cities of the Palestinians, including, that brings me to Gaza. Gaza, over 70% of its population are refugees who were expelled from their home. They could see their towns and cities where they are in a prison since 17 years. They can see. And that's why when they managed to break the gate of their prison and get out, they just, it's, it's their home country, it's their land. So, um, Sabra and Shatila, Jinin in uh, 2002, the United States uh, administration supported Israel. There wouldn't the Israelis allow an investigative uh, committee from the United Nations to get in. Uh, 2008 and 9, when Richard Goldstein uh, uh, issued his report about the violations uh, of Israel in that war, where they used white phosphorus, again this year they use it. This is prohibited by international law to be used against civilians, and yet Israel used it 2008-9 and this year too. So 2008-9, the Richard Goldstein report was blocked, and it's on and on. This military financial uh, and diplomatic support for Israel by the U.S. administration. There are no standards of, there are no standards, not just double standards, no. When it comes to non-white rights, struggle, there is no law, absolutely no law. Just, just compare Ukraine, for example, Ukraine and Russia, and what's happening now. All the support goes to the occupying force, occupying power. All the media, the, the financial, military pressure, support goes to Ukraine, the occupied, against Russia, the occupying force. It's just uh, telling, I would say, telling about white supremacy, about settler colonialism, about European, uh, project in Palestine in the heart of the Arab world. I mean, I can go on and go on and on. It is, yeah. I could go on and on with the both story. of you, but I'm, I've got to leave it there for today. We are committed to engaging in continuous coverage of Palestine, and I'm sure we will have you both back on the air soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Rehab, please, please, please take as much care as you possibly can. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.